Today we're going to talk about the second part, if you will, of core Christianity from James chapter 4. And uh, we're going to be going to part 2. We went through verse 11 and 12 a week ago. And we're going to expand on, on this concept a little bit as we peel God's word one passage at a time. And the one thing, of course, that we've been saying, and, and this is going to be a perpetual theme here at uh, Union Grove Baptist, is this is the church that God's love is building. And folks, that's, that's exactly what we're seeing. Folks in getting involved with other people's lives. Uh, I, I'm hearing constantly, well, uh, I invited so-and-so to my home. We, had, we did this and had a great time. Now, folks, you say, well, wait a minute. I, I haven't gotten that call yet, and uh, I'm still waiting for somebody to invite me over. Listen, what we're doing, and I'm, and I'm going to reiterate this again. We've gone through it many a time. But every single week, Valerie and I, we have two to three families over at the ministry center just to start to get to know folks. I know we're, we're probably less than half through the congregation right now, so it takes time. But as you grow and as you learn to interact with other folks here at the church family, that, it, it's, it's, you've got to have those relationships. As I've stated when I first came here, If you don't feel loved, if you don't feel connected, you're going to leave. The main reason people leave churches is because they do not feel connected. And I pray constantly, dear God, please, the families that we haven't been able to have over yet, help them not to think they're being neglected or that we forgot about. Folks, I go through that directory constantly, the new folks here. I go through my visitors' cards, I pray for you folks, and it's like, wow, how am I going to get 100 people over for dinner this week? Well, it's not going to happen. That's why we have our big uh, almost once a month uh, major events, our chicken dinners and all that kind of thing. So folks, I love you, I care about you, I want you to feel loved, and we're just going to keep working at it till uh, we figure out how to get everybody, and if you feel like you've been missed, I want you to call me. You say, I, I, I'm embarrassed. I don't want to do it. You call me. You say, Brother Rich, I, I need some fellowship. I need somebody that uh, I can connect with. You call me, please. Again, I'm going to call all you eventually. I've called most of you. But it's like, my goodness, don't ever walk out because you don't feel loved and cared for. That, that's just, that's untenable to me. This is a church that God's love is in the process of building. All right, let's uh, move on to our message this morning. And uh, let's ask a couple of questions. Is there anything wrong with a Christian taking initiative and determining what they're going to do? In other words, as a Christian, you have a, a mindset that says, you know, I've decided I'm going to do and you fill in the blank. This is what I'm going to do. I've, catch the, catch the pronoun there, I've decided this is what I'm going to do. How can we as Christians determine if we are making godly choices? Can you see the rub already? I've decided I'm going to do whatever it is I'm going to do. And then all of a sudden, we come to this next question. It's like, well, is it a godly choice? How do you discern if what you've decided to do is a godly choice? 
And then coming to the most important question for the day is, what is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? What's your personal relationship with him? We're going through a, a major transition time at our home. And it's a, it's a very hard transition for me because it involves one of my children. I have three children, Tabitha, my oldest, who, where are you, Tab? There she is. By the way, Tabitha and Richard downstairs taking pictures. If you haven't signed up, make sure you do. We'll have others helping with that as well, but thanks, guys, for this morning. Tabitha's here. That's good. I have a, a, a daughter named Tiffany. She's married. She lives up by the Wisconsin Dells. Nice place to live, right? Then I've got my son, who's got a big gap between our second daughter and my baby boy, who's not a baby boy anymore. He's 23. And that little stinker decided he's going to get married and move out of my house. <laughs> So he got engaged a few months ago. They're, they're up at uh, Shalom Baptist up in uh, West Bend this morning, her home church. And as I thought about that transition this week, and I really did, I won't say I got a little teary-eyed, but maybe I did. <laughs> because you love the boy, right? You love your... You love these people that you've invested your life in. 23 years of loving that little stinker. <laughs> and now he's going to move out on me. But why, why was my heart hurting a bit this week? It's because I love him. It's because for 23 years we have built a close relationship. Folks, if, 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 I, if I meet somebody and uh, I don't build a relationship with them, I don't spend any time with them, I never go to their house, I never have a meal with them, we never call on, uh, on the phone or as young people, I never text the person. There's no relationship. And that person moves out of town next week. Am I going to care? Probably not. I asked you to pray a couple of weeks ago for Dr. Greg Huffman. He's a pastor at uh, Brookside Baptist Church. And Dr. Huffman's been a pretty good friend for lots of years. And he got COVID really bad, almost died, literally almost died. They didn't think he'd pull through. And after, how old's, uh, Valor, how old's Dr. Huffman? 74, which to me isn't that old. <laughs> and because he almost died twice in the last year and his wife also suffering illness, called me up a couple days ago and said, Rich, I'm retiring. I'm moving back to Atlanta. I'm like, hmm. He was one of my mentors. And maybe I got a little teary-eyed again. You been there? Folks, why, why does our heart break when somebody we love moves, passes on? It's because he built a relationship with them. And I want us to think for a moment about those relationships that we build as we look at this passage this morning. And here's the big challenge, and we touched on it during our communion time. 
What is your relationship with Jesus Christ? Is Jesus important enough to us that just like one of your children or just like a, a parent or just like a spouse or just like somebody you love and care about and it's like when you wake up in the morning it's like huh, I wonder if they're up yet and maybe uh, you hear a little pitter patter of feet and all of a sudden you're like whoa they're up all right I get to talk with them I get to spend some time with them maybe it's one of the young kids and they're going to jump in bed and you're going to play with them for a little bit and you're all excited and it's fun and you look forward to it because you got a relationship with them you wake up and maybe look up and say, well, Lord, you got me through another night. Thanks. <laughs> it's good to be alive. Thank, thanks, for, thanks, for, thanks for being there for me today. I need you. I cannot walk through this life alone. Would you please take my hand? Would you walk with me today and help me through every single step that I take? I cannot do this alone, but I'm so glad you're there for me. Do you have that kind of a relationship with the Lord Jesus? Is he that close to you to where you wake up and it's like, oh, wow, this is exciting. You see, and I know I'm, we'll get into the Word in just a minute here, but we're setting the tone. If that loving, close, sincere relationship doesn't exist, Eventually, your walk with God turns into nothing more than what we talked about this morning. It's nothing more than cultural Christianity, and there's no relationship. We're a very shallow one. And this morning, as we look at this, we're going to examine two literal spiritual battles that take place within us. We're going to see how God addresses this. Let's go to James chapter 4 and verse 13. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Father, I pray now that you'd speak to our hearts as we open up the only book you've ever given us to read, this precious word of God. Lord, I pray that you would help every single young person this morning. I pray that you'd help every single teenager this morning, every single person who's in the young adult stage, and the rest of us as well, that, Father, that we would build a relationship with Jesus Christ and we would learn to walk with him day by day. Father, season our relationships. Help them to be what you've called us to in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Basically what James is looking at, he's looking at a business person. And the business person says, here's what I'm going to do. Let me tell you, folks, I've got this nailed down. And here's what I'm going to do. Today or tomorrow, I'm telling you what you're going to do. I'm going to do this. I, I, I've got a city picked out. I'm going to go there. And I'm going to spend some time there because that's what I've decided I'm going to do. I'm going to buy, we're going to sell, we're going to make a great profit, and we're going to build our business. And on its face, some of you are saying, well, what's wrong with that? On its face, nothing is wrong with that except there's one major problem here. 
This individual, and this is why James is bringing it out, decided to do this without consulting with the Lord. The person is saying, and that's the whole point of the passage, I'm going to do whatever it is you decided you're going to do. And by the way, we're going to give you some pointers by the end of, the, uh, of our message today that will help you be able to make decisions that are appropriate according to God's word. And God, through the prophet James, says, whereas, Mr. Businessman, Mr. Self-Sufficient, Mr. Self-Made Person. By the way, have you ever heard about the self-made millionaire? Have you heard about it? I mean, for real. Have you ever heard about the person who uh, uh, is the self-made business person? I did this myself. They're a self-made person. And God kind of looks at that and says exactly what he's saying here in James. Whereas, my friend, you do not know what will happen tomorrow. You don't know. It's March 1st, 2020. America is doing great. Money in the bank. Economy's booming. Unemployment rate, the lowest it's ever been in years and years and years. The best minority employment rates in decades. We're prospering. The Dow Jones has skyrocketed out of control in a good way. It's ridiculous how high it's gone. Interest rates have come down. People have money like never before. And then March hits. And this thing called COVID comes to pass. Unemployment rates begin to go in the wrong direction. The economy begins to go in the wrong direction. The people at Union Grove Baptist Church, many lose their jobs and livelihood. The sickness begins to go around the country. And everybody said, we're, we're, we're in good shape. Life is good. We've got this thing. And man, it's never been better. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says, whereas you do know, not know what will happen tomorrow. There are many folks just within our small body, if you will, that could give testimony as to things that literally change their life. Folks that got sick. One individual from our extended family who passed away. Folks, these things happen. And what is God saying here? He's saying, listen, when you think you've got everything planned out and you think you know exactly where everything's going, and then comes Kenosha. If you heard me on Crosstalk this week, pulled, I didn't pull any punches, folks. I made it very clear when law enforcement fails to do what they're supposed to be doing. When the state fails to do what it's supposed to be doing, I have people from this congregation then who are calling me up and say, Pastor Rich, is, is it okay if we come to church Sunday because we might break curfew going home? And I call the 
Kenosha Sheriff's Office and say, I have folks that live in Kenosha County. They want to come to church Sunday night, but they want to be good law-abiding citizens, and they want to know if they get stopped on the way back, if you're going to arrest them or ticket them or allow them to go home. And I was very thankful they said, thanks for calling. We'll make sure they get home safely. I'm like, thank you. And again, I wish not to get political, but folks, if we as God's people don't say right is right, wrong is wrong, the government in Genesis chapter 9 was put into order to protect people. Genesis chapter 9, right after Noah, if you listen to Crosstalk, I went through this. In Genesis chapter 9, after Noah and his family made it through the flood, God instituted human government. God instituted human government, not man. Man has corrupted it, but God instituted it. And God said, listen, if somebody takes another person's life, their blood is to be shed. Now, whether you agree with capital punishment in this particular day and age, that's, that's not the discussion we're going to have. But God instituted human government to make sure that uh, uh, anarchists, if you will, those that choose to kill other folks, that they're held accountable. That's exactly why God started human government, to protect you. And when it takes the President of the United States to call to protect you when our state refused to do it, you say, Brother Rich, this is church. We shouldn't be talking about that. No, we should be talking about it. And here's the reason why. Because God's people that want to do the right thing and care about doing the right thing, many of you got on the phones and made phone calls. And that's what we can do as God's people. When something is wrong, when the people are being, if you will, improperly cared for, we get on the phone and, and do what our constitutional right is. And that's biblical, by the way. There's nothing unbiblical about it. I'm not saying, I'm not endorsing any person or party at this particular point. I'm just endorsing what's right. And God says, uh, uh, you, you, we determine we're going to do such a thing. But he's like, you don't even know what you've got tomorrow. And he says, come now, you who say. Uh, and you set a time. It's like, well, I'm going to do this at this time. And I'm going to choose the place. And I'm going to choose how long I'm going to do it. And I'm going to choose the activity I'm going to do. it do. And I'm going to make sure that the outcome that I desire happens. And God says, you're being self-sufficient. You need to stand down. And you need to walk with me. You need to let me help you and do the right thing. Whereas you do not know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know. James chapter 4 verse 14, self-assessment. For what is your life? God says, what's your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little teeny time and then vanishes away. It's kind of a silly illustration, but I was at a particular gathering yesterday, and I, and I saw somebody, and I was like, I, I didn't even know anybody was doing this anymore. I thought people got scared away from doing it, but he had, uh, he had a, one of those vaping pipes. We were outside. And I watched this individual, and, he, and, I, and I, I'm like, no, I thought everybody gave that thing up and found out that's not quite as... Uh, undangerous as, the, as we were originally told and the person takes a big giant and all of a sudden all this vapor comes out 
Huge amount of smoke coming out of this person. Looked like he was on fire, right? <laughs> and all of a sudden, boom, it's gone. That huge, massive mist of vapor, which was very obvious for a few seconds, and then it's gone. And God's saying, just like that vaping, or just like a, a smoke, when you see it, it comes, and, and, it, and it's very impressive or for maybe a few seconds, but bam, it's gone. And God looks at me and you, young people, and those of us that have a few other age on us, we don't know if we're going to be here tomorrow. I don't. I may die of a heart attack today. Don't know. I don't feel like I'm gonna, <laughs> neither do you, right? Most of you. And you're like, hey, we got a big giant life to live and God says, listen, do you? And he asks a question. Job chapter seven, verse six, my days, Job said, are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. I was gonna put a picture because most of you probably don't know what a weaver's shuttle is. It's basically a little gadget and I'll just use a pen as an example, and you've got a big weaving machine. In other words, like you would make a rug or um, fabrics or something like that. So you take the little weaver shuttle, which has uh, uh, some yarn on it or whatever, and you zip it through the, uh, the old-fashioned yarn machine, and all of a sudden you just start layering up, and you take this weaver shuttle back and forth, and it just keeps building the rug. And it's fast. It moves really fast if you've ever seen a video of it. And Job says, and then, they, of course, back in the day, they could relate to this because that's how they made clothing and so forth. And he said, my life is just like that weaver shuttle that goes zipping right through the, uh, the fabrics, if you will, to make them. Bam, it's gone. Job chapter 8, verse 9. For we were born yesterday and know nothing because our days on earth are a shadow. Why are we going here this morning, folks? We're talking about building a relationship with Jesus. Have you ever been at someone's bedside when they're passing away? I've been to more than I wish. And I've watched as individuals who love the Lord and as they're gasping for breath and they know they know they're going. Just a year ago, I watched my dad as he was getting ready to go to heaven. And like so many Christians, and this, this is a little speculation, admittedly so, but so many Christians, they always keep looking up. And I, and I asked my dad, I'm like, what do you see? And he, he wouldn't respond, never responded. And I've seen that so many times, and there's a peace. It's a, an absolute peace. There's no fear, no questioning. It's just an occasional little smile looking up, and I don't know what they see. You know, you, they talk about the guardian angels coming for you. I don't know. Maybe. And then I've watched individuals who don't know Christ. And it's a horrible thing. Pastor, I'm scared. I don't want to die. I'm not ready to die. Well, guess what pastor does? Get him the gospel. My friend, you can get rid of that fear right now by trusting Jesus Christ. I don't want you to make a, some silly profession that you don't mean, but if you're ready to trust Christ, 
There's no better time than right now because you're not going to be here very long. Folks, as soon as they get saved, you know what happens? You ready to go home? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready to go. Isn't that good? Psalm chapter 90, verse 10. The days of our lives are 70 years. You say, how do you know how long my average person is supposed to, re- to live? Read the Bible. <laughs> Psalm chapter 90 says, average life should be around 70 years. And if by reason of strength, they are 80 years. In other words, 10 bonus years. Yet their boast is only labor and sorrow. For it is soon cut off and we fly away. My dad was reached 80 years old, folks. And some of you... Uh, most of our seniors aren't here today. When my dad started reaching a little over 80 years, it started declining rapidly. His strength left. The things he used to do started to leave. His mind was still sharp, but the body started wearing down. And you say, Brother Rich, I'm 40 and I'm wearing down. <laughs> and the body wears away. But God says, listen, our life is a vapor. It's short, 70, maybe 80 years in our society, even a little bit longer sometimes, but it's going to pass away. So we look at ourselves and it's, uh, our self-assessment is it's going to go quickly. Our life passes quickly. Here's the self-humbling. God says, listen, business person, listen, uh, uh, student, listen, individuals, listen, those of you that think you can do this on your own. And he goes to verse 15. Instead, Christian, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. That's where this relationship comes in. Let's go back to my son. Do you know what happens when young people get married? They look for what? Their own place to live. We have been house hunting for at least a year. I have seen more overpriced homes (laughs) in the past six months than I ever care to see again. About a week ago, we finally got an offer accepted. And it's really, a, in my opinion, is a miracle because this one's actually below where it should have been. And it's like Valerie and I have been praying, Lord, would you please, you know, you, you said you'd, uh, you'd protect the Garden of Eden so people couldn't see it. And you've said you're going to protect the Jewish people during the last three and a half years of the tribulation. Can you do that with Trevor's home? <laughs> and we honestly believe the Lord did because it's, I mean, it's, it's just a good deal. And in this market, there are no good deals. But God gave him one. He says, listen, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. I can do it. I'm going to do it. And what God, the the actual Greek concept here is, and, and no disrespect intended, but here's what he's literally saying. This is the literal meaning of the word. It's being loudmouthed. It's screaming out, hey, I can do it. And in your arrogance, which uh, from the original concept means to wander aimlessly about. In other words, you think you know exactly where you're going, but you reach the end and you fall over the cliff. That's exactly what he's saying. This is what happens when we don't walk with God. James chapter 4, verse 17. Last concepts. Therefore, to him, male or female, who knows to do good, and does not do it, to him it is sin. Take a look at what the word actually means. To him that knows to do good. 
basically from the, 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 uh, the verb tense, from the actual wording, is, means this. To have a habitual and continual habit. God is saying for those of us that know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, our lifestyle should be a habitual and continual habit of doing the right thing, of doing good. Oh, say, Brother Rich, I struggle with certain things in my life that I'm really struggling with, and I know they're not good things to be struggling with, and I'm, it's hard. It's hard to do right. Are you walking with God? If I'm walking with my son when he was five years old, of course, my son never walked until he was 10 years old. You say, why is that? Was, did he have a leg problem? No, I never put him down. <laughs> I used to have super big biceps. I stopped killing Trevor around and they, poof, all gone. <laughs> but we're building that relationship. And I walked with him and I talked with him and we spent time and we loved each other just like I do with my girls and my wife. But Trevor's the one leaving now, so he gets the, he's getting the press today. And because we spent that habitual time together and because we were close, he knew what was right, what was wrong, what was expected, and life was good. And very, very little rebellion even during his teen years. Psalm chapter 40 verse 8 says, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I delight to do your will. How do you know God's will? Well, first of all, here it starts with knowing this book. How can you spend time with God and not know his book? Every single day. You say, ah, oh, not that again. I don't have time to get in God's word every single day. Folks, you don't have time not to do it. Psalm chapter 143, verse 10. Teach me, dear God, to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me, lead me in the land of uprightness. Proverbs chapter 11, here we go. You say, how do I know what God's will is? What are some of the parameters? And we'll close with these thoughts. Number one, do you know this book? Ah. You spend time in God's Word and let Him speak to you through His Word. Number two, fundamentals of Christianity. Do you spend time talking to the Lord? If my son never talked to me, if I never talked to him, how would we have a relationship? We wouldn't. Same thing with you and the Lord. And then God says, I'm going I'm to help you out a little bit more. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14 says, Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. You say, what do you mean? Basically this, I never, never make a major decision without consulting multiple people. I always consult my wife, always. God will reveal to her sometimes things that I just don't see. God gave her to me as a, as a companion, as a helper, as one who has different thoughts and, and things that make two one complete package. I call specific pastors. I'll call specific leaders. I will call deacons. I will do whatever it takes. I want to make sure no matter what we do, no matter where we are, 
that I consult multiple people because it's what the Lord asks us to do. Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Next, we need to make a conscious decision to ignore our conscience. No, we don't want to do that. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it. Folks, every single one of you, according to Romans chapter 1, has a conscience. You were born with it. And God is saying when your conscience is going off and it's going no, 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 and your inner circle in your body is saying yes, 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 what is he saying? Don't do it. Don't ignore what your conscience is basically telling you to do or to not to do. Counselors, Bible, prayer, do the right thing. Consequences of violating your God-given conscience, therefore to him or her that knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it is what? Just plain old-fashioned sin. It's wrong. Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, Christians, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable. You see, this isn't unreasonable, this is reasonable. Are you walking with God? Do you have an exciting relationship? Are you spending time with him? And you're like, ah, oh, man, you, you, you got to do it. Do you spend time with him? Are you walking with him? Uh, folks, on the way down from uh, my home, I live about 25 minutes north here. On the way down, you know what I do? I get on Christian music. I listen to Christian music or I put on uh, a sermon or I put on something that's pushing my mind to think about the Lord. I do that every single day. No matter where I'm going, no matter Valerie and I, we're going to be heading down to, uh, up to uh, Minnesota for four hours. We'll have Christian music playing. We'll talk. We'll consult. Folks, it's, it's how you walk with God. You've got to do it. But there's so many other wonderful things in the world. I don't deny that there's many other wonderful things. But what's more wonderful than a walking with God and preparing yourself for the day, preparing yourself for your life, preparing yourself for the day when you're going to be on your last breath, getting ready to go home. I want to be ready. How about you? Folks, what's your relationship with Christ? If you're a Christian this morning... It's kind of pointed, right? Do you spend time with them? Are you building a relationship just like you would with your own child? Are you spending time? Are you talking? Are you relating? When, when you're eating, when you're walking, when you're talking, when you're driving, every single moment of every single day, Christocentric living, Christ-centered living, it will transform your life. It will. Finally, if you're here, this morning, whether you're watching on video or whether you're sitting right here in front of me, if you died right now, do you know for sure if you died, you go to heaven? You say, Brother Rich, I don't know that. Folks, you can have no relationship with Jesus Christ. You can do nothing we talked about today unless you first get to the first part of having a relationship with Christ. And you can't have a relationship if you don't know him. You say, well, well how do you get to know him? Very quickly and we'll be done. Number one. Bible makes it very clear that every single one of us is a sinner. Romans 3.23, we've all done wrong. Every single one of us. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. You say, I, I don't mean to be judgmental. It's just God made it very clear. We've all sinned. And the Bible also tells us in Romans 6.23 that because we've sinned, if each one of us got what we deserved, every single one of us would burn forever in an awful place called hell. Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. That's what I deserve. 
But as we celebrated at the beginning of our service this morning, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, God's Son, comes down from heaven, goes to an old rugged cross for our sins. He willingly gives his life. He dies. He gives his life. He's buried. Three days later, he rises from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. And you say, I knew all that. How do I know for sure if I died, I go to heaven? Number four, last piece. Accept the free gift of eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, you quoted it this morning when we started our service. For by grace are you saved through what? Faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any person should boast. Folks, that's the whole thing. You're like, well, I got to go to church. I got to be good. I got to try my hardest. And God says, no, absolutely not. That's not how you go to heaven. Because just like we learned in our message today, our plans are not God's plans. God's plan for you to go to heaven is realize you're a sinner, realize Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection paid for your sins, and receive his free gift. Take it, embrace it, and make it yours. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for these dear folks. Now, Lord, I pray as we come to decision time, every single one of us listening this morning, we have a decision to make. This week, am I going to spend more time with the Lord Jesus? Am I going to start walking with God? Am I going to build that relationship with Him? Or am I just going to let that relationship grow stale and cold? Ah, oh, Lord, help us to see the excitement of knowing You, the thrill of knowing You, the blessedness of knowing You, the life-changingness of knowing You. Christian, right there where you're seated, some of you need to say right now, dear God, I know I've not been walking with you. I just, I've been walking my own way. And I know I need to change my life this morning. Would you tell the Lord exactly what you need to do? You know you need to change. Would you just tell him, seal the deal with God? It's none of my business what you're doing this morning, but it's certainly God's business and your business. Right there where you're seated, maybe say something simple like this, Lord, I know I've, I've not been walking with you like I should. But I want to start. I want to spend more time with you. Please help me. Please keep the distractions from me. Help me to walk with you. Read your Bible. Pray. Listen to the right kind of things that will help keep my mind tuned into you. Would you give your life to him this morning in totality? If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ, let's get that settled. You can't start the relationship if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus right there. Would you say yes to Jesus? You say, how do I do that? You realize you're a sinner. You realize you're lost, deserving of hell. But you realize that Jesus Christ, God's Son, loved you, went to the cross, paid for your entire sin debt through his death, burial, and resurrection, and all he says is trust in him. Would you give your life to Jesus this morning? Would you trust in him? Would you do that? Would you tell him right now, those of you trust in Christ, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Would you say something like this with me? Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know I don't deserve to go to heaven. I know I've done wrong. But this Sunday morning, I'm asking Jesus. I'm, I'm receiving his free gift of salvation because I believe he paid the entire penalty for me. Thank you for saving me. Father, seal decisions this morning. May the Lord Jesus be praised in his name.